What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It is Thursday, May 12th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is But A Day, where we're preparing some of our worst posts of all time for when Elon Musk inevitably welcomes Donald Trump back to Twitter. Yes, I have brought the Krasenstein brothers back for some replies. <laughs> oh my against God. The president. That's my surprise for you, Donnie. Wow, miss them. What are they up to? On today's show, drug overdose deaths hit a new record in the U.S. last year. Plus, a passenger on a Florida flight had to help land a plane after the pilot fell ill. A truly wild story. Yes. But first, today we wanted to turn to the latest on reproductive rights in the U.S. Yesterday, the Senate failed to pass a bill that would have effectively codified the right to an abortion. Here is Vice President Kamala Harris announcing the final tally. On this vote, the yeas are 49, the nays are 51. Three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn not having voted in the affirmative. The motion is not agreed to. It's important to note that this bill, which is called the Women's Health Protection Act, was doomed from the start and expected to fail. The Democrats knew they didn't have enough votes to pass it and beat a filibuster, which would have required 60 votes. Every single Democratic senator voted for it except one, you know, the perpetual thorn in our side, closet Republican Joe Manchin. He voted against it. Mm -hmm. Vice President Kamala Harris presided over the vote. And just minutes after that happened, President Biden released a statement saying, quote, this failure to act comes at a time when women's constitutional rights are under unprecedented attack. So Gideon, what is next here? I think that's what everyone's asking. Besides talking again about why the filibuster should be eliminated, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, along with some of his Democratic colleagues, continue to voice their frustration over not being able to pass legislation in Congress, even when they hold the majority being held back due, at least in some part, to the 60-vote threshold or a Republican filibuster. But because that is the perpetual conversation that is had and there is no movement on that argument, many Democrats are resorting to now saying that this attack on Roe should mobilize people to the polls in November. Here is Vice President Harris right after the vote. A priority should be to elect pro-choice leaders at the local, the state, and the federal level. The point tracks, um, but there was wrong. this great headline I saw from Reductress that said, quote, you need to vote to fix this, says lawmaker you voted for in the past four elections. That certainly is the vibe of the last couple of days. Very much uh, the message we've been hearing from everybody. And just here to say that if you are feeling a little bummed the fuck out by that, you're not alone. You're not the only ones. Yes. Uh, so right before the vote took place yesterday, we did have the chance to speak with Democratic New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. We started by asking her this sort of elephant in the room question, what happens now? 
Our job is to lift up the voices of people who are not being listened to right now. Millions of Americans will be devastated if this draft decision becomes law of the land. We have seen that this is something that is a seismic shift to what we expect in America. For 50 years, I'm 55. So my entire life, Roe v. Wade and other similar precedents that have been built upon it, like Casey, have guaranteed that I have bodily autonomy, that I have my reproductive freedom, that I have this right to privacy that allows me to decide when I'm having children, under what circumstances, with whom. And for me, I've had two children. I mean, being pregnant were joyous times for me, but those were decisions I made with my husband, consistent with my faith about what I want to do as a mom. You need to be able to give women and transgender people that fundamental right to decide. And to take away that right, it undermines our basic constitutional democracy because these rights have been borne out of several of the constitutional amendments and it's something we have grown to expect. Right. During the 2020 presidential campaign, you mentioned that you were open to the idea of potentially adding more Supreme Court seats. How has the news of the last couple of weeks impacted your thinking on that issue or has it at all? Well, certainly has impacted my thinking. I think these justices, particularly the last three who were just confirmed, intentionally misled senators to vote for them. And I can tell you, if you look at the words they chose, they said Roe is settled precedent, that settled precedent deserves due deference, that it's important. And if it's been reaffirmed and there's you know related decisions, that it gives it even more weight. Kavanaugh said that precedent was the foundation of our legal system. Mm. So they really led the Senate to believe that they believed Roe was settled law. They did not, did not in any way say, unless it was decided wrong, or whatever Alito's analysis was, it's unconscionable. And Alito and the five who voted for that, who are at least on this draft opinion, I think they intentionally lied and misled senators. And I think there should be investigation. And so I think this is a very defining moment. And I would like to see ideas how to depoliticize the court. We should have debates about what these ideas might be, whether it's term limits or whether it's adding justices or any other idea that people can come up with. I think it's important because I certainly don't trust the Supreme Court anymore. And I don't trust what they said in hearings. I want to ask about the midterms for a second as well, because recently House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn was campaigning for Representative Henry Cuellar, the only House Democrat to vote against codifying Roe. He said in part that there shouldn't be this sort of litmus test to be a Democrat. But when it comes to this specific issue, do you agree with that? I'm certainly not going to support any candidate who's not pro-choice and pro-LGBT equality and pro-women's rights. I would never support a candidate who doesn't share my values because these are, again, they go to basic constitutional rights, basic civil liberties and human rights. I don't think it makes sense any candidate uh, who's a Democrat wouldn't believe in these things. I think it's core to our party in the same way that clean air and clean water is, in the same way that economic justice is, in the same way healthcare for all is. I mean, we might have different policy ways about how to get there, but those are the core values of being a Democrat. Yeah. And just to follow up on that, seeing as there are some candidates like this, what kind of message is that sending voters as they head towards the upcoming midterms? I mean, these things matter. I think it's important that we elect more Democrats. It's important that we get a larger majority in the Senate and hold the House. 
And you're going to have a very stark difference between extreme MAGA candidates who want to deny right to privacy, deny women's reproductive freedom, deny equality to all, and Democrats who share these values of equality and opportunity. So November is an opportunity to change those dynamics. If we had a greater majority, we'd have far more flexibility to govern and far more ability to do the big things that aren't getting done today. Our majority is just not large enough. And so we can fix this through activism, advocacy, and getting out the vote in November. In this potential future where we're looking at states effectively deciding here. What more should states like New York, other blue states be doing in this particular moment to ensure that there is access to even potentially expand access as well? Well, they're doing it. And so what Kathy Hochul in New York is doing is saying, we are a safe haven for women seeking reproductive care. If you need access to doctors, to healthcare specialists, to advisors, to resources, we are a state you can come to. And I think a lot of the not-for-profits are also going to be working on how to create travel expenses, um, raise money for women who need to travel from states like Mississippi or any of the states that have created such backwards laws that harm women. Mm. I also hope that corporate America wakes up and I hope that they look at these states and these backward decision-making from the lens of why would I want to invest in a state where 50% of the population is being denied basic human rights? It's been an incredibly scary time for a lot of people. I kind of count myself in that group, just kind of looking around being like, this is completely not the place that I have known, the rights that I've grown up with. This is really scary. What do you say to the people who are feeling terrified about what the future kind of holds for them? I would take that terror, take that fear, take that anger and mobilize and just organize. Understand what your rights are. Understand how to advocate for yourself. You can not only protest the elected leaders, you can protest the companies that are turning a blind eye. You can protest any part of civil society that is not listening and not hearing your words and your fears and your views and not counting you. Well, Senator Gillibrand, thank you so much for joining What A Day. We really appreciate all of your time. Thank you. That was our conversation with Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. As a reminder, there will be demonstrations across the nation this coming Saturday in support of abortion access. We're going to have details about it in our show notes, but that is the latest for now. We're going to be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Veteran Palestinian-American reporter Shireen Abu Akleh was shot and killed in the West Bank early Wednesday morning, with multiple eyewitnesses reporting that the fatal bullet was fired by an Israeli sniper. 
Abu Akleh was a longtime correspondent for Al Jazeera, covering the conflict between Israel and Palestine, and was one of their best-known reporters. Definitely a household name for Arab viewers who have been accustomed to seeing her on their TV screens for years. She was also a U.S. citizen. She was shot in the head while covering Israeli raids in the Janine refugee camp. And in a statement, her network Al Jazeera accused Israeli forces of, quote, deliberately targeting and killing our colleague. At the time, she was wearing a press jacket identifying her as a journalist. And according to the two reporters she was with, there was no fighting in the area before she was shot. That goes against the suggestion from official Israeli sources that she may have been the victim of stray gunfire from Palestinians. There has been an outpouring of grief in the West Bank and across social media over her death, and Arab governments have condemned the killing. Israel's defense minister has promised a transparent investigation into what happened. As a reminder to our listeners, killing journalists is a war crime. Yeah, just awful, awful news. Horrible, horrible, horrible. The toll of the drug overdose epidemic continues to climb in the United States every year. And unfortunately, last year set a new record. The CDC published new preliminary data yesterday showing that over 107,000 people died from a drug overdose last year. That number translates to roughly one overdose death every five minutes in the U.S. The data shows that deaths involving fentanyl spiked in 2021, largely because of how easy it is to lace with other drugs without someone knowing. And deaths involving stimulant drugs like methamphetamine and cocaine also jumped by a significant amount. Experts say that the epidemic has been exacerbated in recent years by COVID lockdowns that often isolate people with addiction and make it harder for them to get treatment. And these new findings come one month after the Biden administration unveiled its new plan to address drug addiction and trafficking in the U.S. The sacred covenant between audience member and actor with the body of a Greek god was broken this week when someone leaked illicitly recorded footage of ex-Grey's Anatomy star Jesse Williams naked in the Broadway show Take Me Out. The play follows the story of a gay baseball player who is played by Williams and who faces prejudice after coming out about his sexuality. In the show, there is a shower scene with real American water and Williams and his co-star dress in a hyper-realistic showering way. Uh, mm. An audience member <laughs> broke the theater's no phones rule and recorded the scene from the front row and posted it online <laughs> shortly so after. I, you could tell the person, can you put your phone away? That's you know what I would do. Like you're right there. Everyone can see. Like that's no, you're not trying to hide it. Flagrant behavior. That led to strong condemnations by the company that produced the play, plus the Actors' Equity Association, who called the leak a, quote, appalling breach of consent. The video made its rounds on social media just hours after Williams was nominated for a Tony Award for his performance in the play on Monday night. Here is Williams on CNN's Watch What Happens Live after show on Tuesday, talking about the buzz around his nude scene. Everybody makes such a big deal. It's a body. Right. That yes. doesn't, once you see it, you realize it's not, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, man. That's a lot more chill than I would be if someone did this to me. (laughs) You know, take it in stride. Um, Williams did not comment directly on the leak, but the theater hosting the play has since installed a new infrared camera to crack down on audience members who break their no phone rule. And once again, somebody is ruining an experience for everyone. Also, out of respect for Jesse Williams, I will not be Googling this image at this time. (laughs) You may or may not choose to join me in that. A man in Florida experienced the advanced version of the nightmare where you're the passenger in a car and you realize no one is driving. (laughs) That same thing, but in an airplane, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, he managed to safely land the plane despite having zero flying experience. 
The man, whose identity is unknown, which is crazy to me, was flying from the Bahamas to Florida on Tuesday in a 14-seater Cessna. There was only one other passenger on board. And when he was about 20 miles off the coast, his pilot became, quote, incoherent. Yikes. No further details, which there's a lot I want to know about this. Here he is communicating his situation to air traffic control. Buckle up because this audio is a little rough, as you might expect. I've got a serious situation here. My pilot has gone into the I have no idea how to fly the airplane. Oh, Roger, what's your position? I have no idea. I see the coast of Florida in front of me, and I have no idea. Okay. Honestly, this is how I would sound in this exact situation. A lot of, I have no ideas. I think he sounds surprisingly, I mean, he's saying he has no idea, but he's not freaking out. Like, I would be no, like, no, no, excuse no. me? I would be shrieking it. Yeah. Yes. Full freak out. Yeah, if yeah. you sound like him, like, congratulations. He's cool as a cucumber. But in case you couldn't hear that, air traffic control asked for his position. The guy said, I have no idea. At this point, many of our brains would just shut down. It would be destiny's job <laughs> to guide our plane into a soft tree or a big lily pad or a <laughs> giant ocean bouncy house whatever you got who knows but somehow the passenger managed to follow instructions relayed by the air traffic controller who also happened to be a flight instructor and in the air traffic controller's words quote before i knew it he was like i'm on the ground how do i turn this thing off <laughs> oh my god extremely chill the plane touched down at the palm beach international airport Becoming a private pilot of a plane like this Cessna requires at least 40 hours of flight time. This guy became a pilot in about 10 minutes, though he probably aged by millions of hours in that period of time. No question about it. Um, this is our new Sully. Uh, it's the best that we got in comparison to the prior actual Sully event, and we'll take it. If they can ever track him down, he seems like he does not <laughs> care to be in the spotlight. It was just like, peace out. I'm out of here. I landed the plane. Gonna get my bag and leave. Uh, if they ever find him, I'm sure this would make a great movie of some kind. Definitely. I wouldn't see it, but Gideon probably would. I would definitely watch it. I also have a million questions about this, and I hope we do follow-ups in the days to come, because there's a lot here. Wad investigates. Yeah. Wad investigates. I need to know more. Uh, and those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, play at least 40 hours of Flight Simulator before you step onto a plane and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just rules for attending a play, which you'll follow to the letter like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and prepare your, your eyes for, for bad posts, posts Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. It is just as bad as the place you left it, and it's not going to get any better. I, I feel like it's worse, honestly. It's like, probably it's worse. It's fucking worse. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Thank you. 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.